This is a headgum podcast. Andrew, I'm thinking of starting a monster hunting business. It's spooky out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Frankensteins. There's a mm-hmm. lot of werewolves, and I feel like I need uh, to start a business. And you want people... an online presence? I feel like I'm missing that online presence. <laughs> okay. Can you help yeah. me? Look, whether you want to promote your monster hunting business or create a fan site for the video game Monster Hunter, you can do it with our pals at the website Squarespace. Squarespace is a website that helps you make websites. Uh, they enable you to claim a domain, sell stuff online, market your brand, and see analytics so you can look at all the people who are looking at you. Squarespace websites have award-winning design, world-class engineering, beautiful templates, powerful e-commerce tools. And for those of you who are not technically inclined because you're too busy hunting the undead yep. or whatever monsters inhabit your neighborhood, there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever, and you get 24-7 award-winning customer support to save you time and headaches. So if this sounds good to you, head to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code OVERDUE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue. Use the offer code OVERDUE to save 10%. Squarespace. Craig. I would like to do the opening of our podcast, Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. Um, but I'd like to make an apology first. Okay. To Josh. Joshua. Sorry, Josh. Uh, Wait, what'd you do to Josh? What did wh- we who which of us did this thing to Josh? Uh, well, I did a thing for Josh for the show. Oh, okay. But I did not uh, but I, then I did a thing to Josh. So I read Peace by Gene Wolfe last week, and Josh was one of our Patreon supporters, and Josh recommended the book. Um, and I think we had a fun time. We talked about oh, yeah. the book. If you haven't listened, you should go back and listen. It was a cool episode, Spooktober, all that stuff. Um, but I definitely thanked someone named Jay for recommending the book. <laughs> and That's just your nickname for Josh, which does begin with Jay. <laughs> well, I, Thanks, I, say It's the J-Man. Thanks for the recommendation. So I uh, I felt bad when Josh sent a nice email thanking us for the episode and and his thoughts on the book and then did a real cool move and signed it as Jay in quotation marks to like burn me to a million pieces. Uh-huh. And I just I I didn't want Josh's second contribution to the show to go unnoticed and unremarked upon. It should be recognized for the amazing own that it was. And uh, thank you, Josh. I'll never forget that you're Josh, not Jay. Well, if if the J-Man is still listening to our podcast because you offended him so bad Uh last week when you called him Jay instead of Josh, then he'll hear this and hopefully feel, I don't know, that something has been righted in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It it is no longer me podcasting. I am a ghost. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because Josh ended me rightfully. Um, That's pretty spooky, which is which fits well with our theme for the month of October, because every October we read a series of between four and six spooky books. <laughs> Months have different numbers of Mondays, and sometimes there are bonus episodes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And and it's otherwise normal normal show rules. We read the book. We've never read it before. We tell the other person about it. We tell you at home about it. We bring in some author research, some uh, context research, and we just have a nice, friendly, little low-key chat about a book. Yeah. What book did you read for this week's episode, Andrew? This week, I read Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Cool. And I do like, I, th- it's been documented before, I like a book where the name of the book is what it is. <laughs> this is a gothic horror novel. Yeah. Which takes place in Mexico. Okay. And it's a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun with it. All right, cool. Because um, you know how Peace by Gene Wolfe that you read last week didn't really have a lot of peace like, in well, it. Maybe he's maybe he's a ghost. You remember when Jay told you to read yeah. Peace by Gene Wolfe? And we don't know. Maybe he's a ghost. Maybe he's not. Like maybe he's just having a mental break. Like yep. maybe I don't. We who knows what's going on. This book is like is yeah. The there's things. Mon- there's monsters. There's literally monsters. Cool. And we're gonna be, you know, pretty mysterious, and maybe it's like ghosts or like haunting, or we we won't something's going on, but we won't tell you what it is for the first like two thirds of the book, and then two thirds of the way in, they're like, hey, it's monsters, it's, hey, it's it's a this this there's a real stuff going on here. Okay, cool. So to th- this is to say that we have often, not always when we have an ad, but often we have a little t- tag thing at the beginning of the episode that's like, hey, we're gonna spoil the book. Uh, keep that in mind. This is one that if you want to read the book, and I, I recommend that you do because it's pretty short and it's a fun one and it's a spooky one. Uh, we're going to spoil pretty much everything. I'm not going to leave a whole lot to the imagination right. when we talk okay. about this one because it's very like plot driven and and like a little thrillery. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to have to talk about all the twists and turns to talk about the book. So there you go. Great. Yeah, and I, it's, it's a newer book. It was published in 2020. Uh, by Moreno Garcia, and I think when we announced that we were doing it, there was a good mix of folks who were like, ooh, this is a good excuse to read that before I listen, and folks who said, ooh, I just read that in the last year, I'm excited to listen. So if you're not one of those two categories of people, like, choose your own adventure, I don't know what you're doing, (laughs) figure it out. But uh, I think, yeah, it sounds like folks should maybe... This is not one where there's like a whole bunch of like decades of discourse about it that we don't feel the need to like put that warning up there. No, and I don't I don't think there, you know, th- not every book needs to be capable of generating de- decades of of discourse and I don't think this one is no. one of them, but it is just a, it is a fun kind of scary uh adventure kind of side horror fantasy whatever book. Sure. And I like it. A whatever book. I love those. Well, you know, one of those whatever books. Genres are fake, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. It sounds Genres like that's are made what... up by booksellers <laughs> so that people at Barnes & Noble know what shelf to put books on. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, let's talk about Marina Garcia real quick. Um, she was born in 1981 in Baja, California, Mexico. Uh, moved to Canada in 2004. Uh, got a Master's of Arts degree in the Science and Tech Department over at University of British Columbia. More about that in a second. Um, had published some short stories in a place called Exile Quarterly. Her first collection of short stories, This Strange Way of Dying, was published in 2013, followed by Love and Other Potions, 
that's an intriguing title. I want to know hmm. more. Uh, her debut novel, Signal to Noise, was released in 2015 about a woman who can cast spells in response to listening to songs. Usually you hear about the other way, like you got to sing to cast a spell or something. I, I like the idea that you would hear a song and then you, that would turn into magic. That's kind like of on your iPod. You have yeah. a magic iPod. You Ooh, have cool gotta, playlists for like the different types of spells. I gotta pick my spells, and that isn't that what loading an iPod is? It's like picking your emotional spells for the day. Yeah, this is so people in the listening to the, the podcast at home. Back in the day, there are these things called iPods, and what they had on them was just what you put on them, and they didn't connect to the internet, and they didn't do anything, and you couldn't stream anything. Yeah. So for me, who the, my first one was uh, iPod Nano with two gigabytes of storage. Oh and man. You could not fit that much music in two gigabytes of storage compared to the infinity gigabytes <laughs> that a smartphone with like Spotify on it will get you. I had a an just an off brand MP3 player, like not an Apple. I don't know who made it with mm-hmm. a whopping 512 megs of Ooh. data space on it. So you I could fit a fit, couple, couple CDs on that bad boy. Yeah, I think I had the full Broadway cast recording of Jekyll and Hyde on there, two disc wow. set. Um, wow! And maybe one other thing. I don't know. It was a All mess. recorded music in history, and those are <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> those are the two discs. Yeah, well. that Craig had to be carrying around with him all the time. <laughs> High school was weird. It was a horror yeah. time. Um, mm-hmm. That novel, Signal Noise, was apparently inspired by Moreno Garcia's parents who both worked at radio stations um her other novels include certain dark things which is about vampires in mexico city uh the beautiful ones gods of jade and shadow untamed shore this is her 2020 novel mexican gothic i think velvet was the night probably either just came out or is coming out within weeks of this podcast i don't know that offhand and then her website lists a a new work called the daughter of dr moreau coming next week which is interesting. Um, she is also the publisher of a micro press called Innsmouth Free Press. Andrew, okay. What do you think that little outlet might be churning out there? Why don't, why don't you tell me? Why don't you tell me what it is? Well, I want to know if you know what the Innsmouth reference is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. H.P. Lovecraft. Huh. Okay. Shadow over Innsmouth with mm-hmm. the fish people. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know that one. Hmm. I can't. I can't tell if you're messing with me right now, and it's. I know it's out. it's it's not it's earnestly not one of the ones that I okay. that I remember from okay, sure. the time in high school when I read a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft. I just wasn't prepared for you to toss it back at me. It really, I knew you weren't. Now I know you weren't, but it really put me on edge. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> um, she apparently did her master's thesis uh, on Lovecraft on you eugenics in Lovecraft, which is something we've talked about before. But she more specifically. Uh, writes about the portrayals of women in Lovecraft and how that and and or the lack thereof. Um, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. like what what portrayals? <laughs> uh, mostly like feet, like a lot of the fears of miscegenation and like pro like procreation of different species or you know whatever kind of racist yeah, yeah. crap is in in those stories. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's relevant to this work, is my understanding. There's at least one character who has some like prominent eugenicist thoughts going on yeah yeah Uh, it's the main villain yeah (laughs) um and yeah i was like 
I haven't read an academic paper in a while, but I got through the abstract of her thesis and I was like, I'm going to bookmark this one for later. <laughs> it's just kind of a, uh, an interesting argument to be made about like it, why it is worth talking about eugenics as uh, something about how like science, we like to think that science and scientists, scientific pursuits are like neutral Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, centuries of evidence of that not being the case. Uh, sure, yeah. And well, and, and also, I mean, it brings to mind when when we did uh, Lovecraft Country, which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I feel like we mostly are past like you and me on this podcast, like art, art and artist separation questions. But most of the time, this, yeah. This, this book and like Lovecraft Country are both engage with the idea of like what what is it to acknowledge th- this book's influence on on me as a writer and on the genre while also incorporating and commenting on the author's like clearly pretty bad like objectively bad worldview <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um yeah so t- taking taking that tradition that already exists that you know no individual person is going to be responsible for tearing down just because of what a like a giant of the genre it is but still like being in conversation with it in like productive ways yeah yeah for sure um this book has been optioned for or is in production thereof for a hulu series i think yeah yeah i can't wait for it to be a very good thing that nobody watches (laughs) yeah well isn't that like i think i just saw today that why the last man might not get or didn't get picked up for a second yeah, series they, they, or something. Yeah, why the last man got canceled. Um, only Murders in the Building is autumnal as heck, and <laughs> I like it a lot, but I don't know who's watching it aside from like TV critics on man. Twitter. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the, I hope that I hope that this goes well. It sounds like it's interesting. Um, I think, I mean, and... and Marina Garcia, I think she's a producer, executive producer on it, and she's like, "Yeah, it's going to be eight or ten episodes, and it's going to be done," which I think is the, the way to go. Like, I, I hope don't, so. Yeah. You could do a sequel about these characters after this book, but I think that the where the book ends is the right place for it to end. For there still to be, for there to have been a, a satisfying conclusion to the story while still leaving question marks. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I just I want to hit before we take the break, Andrew, is just kind of some of the trappings of genre or like goals for the book that I've found that she's talked about in some interviews because um, that might ground some parts of the discussion. Like we've talked about a couple different gothic horror novels or variants thereof, um, you know, your classic monster stuff, but also your what is it? Jane Eyre um rebecca turn of the screw the like yeah, those aren't all gothic horror horror but they do have they're gothic like, some gothic of them are gothic yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like and and uh marina garcia has a a you know a bit of q a stuff in the back of the book where she talks about all the many many like genres and sub subgenres of of gothic literature like does she talk about the romance male gothic like, versus the female gothic yeah there, there's yeah. female gothic was which is more of a jane Eyre situation um where it's not like supernatural in nature you do you do like maintain some of the suspense or like the yep. the 
heightened emotion, but you, you do not, it's not like literally monsters the way that it is in a male Gothic story. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of splits out from there. And she, she in one bookweb.org interview talked about the key ingredients being like an isolated location, some sort of domestic element of family or being in a spooky house or something, and maybe some sort of romantic interest being involved as like key tropes that she was playing with. Um, she talks about it being inspired by this town Real de Monte in Mexico, which was a mining center for like British mining concerns. Mm-hmm. And so the whole town has this distinctly English architecture and vibe in a part of the world where people really don't think about that being part of its history, which is another thing that she wanted to make like sure was part of the book, this like other part of Mexico's colonial history. Yeah. She said in, in, uh, in that same back of the book thing that I was talking about earlier, that the more accurate name for the book might've been post-colonial Gothic, yeah, but it would not sure. have been as it's not as grabby mm-hmm. and it does not call as much attention to the, the Mexican, uh, it's like the, the, the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's interested in that too, because it, a lot of those gothic novels come from the British literary tradition, which a lot of those novels have some sort of other that they are villainizing or portraying as evil from whatever part of the country Britain was dealing with at the time, <laughs> or part of the world that Britain was dealing with at the time, whether it be like Eastern Europe vampires or whatever. Um, and she also talks about this and talks about this in relation to the show in a Vox interview, just that like, She's interested in writing a story that could be a genre story that has, you know, Latin American and Mexican characters that is not just the, like, it's an immigration story or, you know, contemporary issues that we run all of these books through. Like, the fact that it's people of different socioeconomic backgrounds and in a time period that a lot of English language American published uh, books are not necessarily portraying so the other and i don't i don't have anything from her on this but the other thing that occurs to me while we're because <laughs> i i remember i don't remember which book it was it might have been gene wolf talking about how um magical realism is like fantasy written by like a latin american author <laughs> mm. just as like a, a blanket thing in the in a conversation about what literary genres get taken seriously and which ones don't she said <laughs> and when you when you name your book mexican gothic everybody's like oh this is a gothic story and they're not like oh hey this is this is written by somebody with a with <laughs> a mexican or, or latina name and it's got fantastical elements. It must be magical realism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And she she connected that to um, some some interview where they asked her who her favorite, like one of her favorite authors was growing up, and she said her great grandmother, who could not read or write, but told her these amazing stories about the history of where they grew up, that were a mix of like supernatural folklore stuff and real stories about their community and hardships that they'd faced, and mm-hmm. she makes connections between like you might include some supernatural elements because you can like resolve those in a story and you can't always resolve like that time the soldiers rolled through your village kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah she's just really like it's really interesting to read her talk about this like a lot of the people we've read that are like remix not necessarily remixing genres but deliberately playing on genre tropes to say something new 
Uh, yeah, because there are a lot of authors who are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed as into this or that genre. And then we get authors who are like, I love these kind of books. I love this yep. genre. Like, I am, I love H.P. Lovecraft and the yellow wallpaper, and I'm going to make a book that synthesizes those elements while also incorporating things from my own background. Yes, yes. And it's uh, not going to be more complicated than that. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I, I remains to be seen how complicated I find it, Andrew. Um, I bet you'll explain it fine. So let's take a quick break, <laughs> and then you'll tell me about the book. Okay, bye. Andrew, I feel very lucky that I get to talk with you every week. We talk off the podcast, but like it's very I feel very lucky I get to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, you are you are lucky. Thank you. Um what? <laughs> Sometimes though, a podcast isn't like the best place for talking about what's going on in your life. What if I had stuff that I need to talk through that was like less about books and more about like stuff I'm dealing with? Or what with? if it was like about me and you don't want to talk to me about it? Exactly. Maybe mm-hmm. Sometimes talking to you is helpful, but maybe I could find some better help. Yeah, better than me. <laughs> Seems possible. Conveniently enough, BetterHelp is the name of one of our sponsors this week. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. Uh, they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Uh, and you can send a message to your counselor anytime. Talk to them on a regular phone or video session without having to wait. Uh, you know, work another waiting room into your schedule. So... Service is available for clients worldwide, and as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, BetterHelp, at betterhelp.com slash overdue. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, betterhelp.com slash overdue. Andrew, did you know that we have a second ad here? I did, I did know that we had a second ad, and you know, I was, I was just going to, when we talk about this book, I'm going to talk a lot about some of the like the dreamy things that happen. Uh huh. It's kind of a, it's like a book with dreams in it. Whoa! And you might so so you might say that this book has uh, book dreams in it. That's because they're dreams that happen in a book. We did not plan this, but I was going to tell you about a podcast called Book Dreams. Oh shoot! A show for everyone who loves books in Mrs. English class. Did you know I was going to talk about this? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I'll never tell. <laughs> well, don't ever tell if you knew that it was a show hosted by Julie Sternberg and Evie Halem where they explore all sorts of topics and the books that engage with them. Andrew, did you know? Did you know I was going to tell you that they talk about books bound in human skin and they talk about books uh, that have science fiction that can change the world and they talk about bookmobiles and independent bookstores. They're having dreams, Andrew. They're talking books. I don't know how you didn't know this ahead of time. This is very <laughs> serendipitous. Uh, they've got interviews on like the original text of Little Women. They're talking about English teachers who are turning reluctant readers into blossoming bookworms. Andrew, let's talk right. about book dreams. It's brought to you by the Podglomerate. There are new episodes every Thursday, and you can listen by subscribing to Book Dreams on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. Have a dream about a book. Listen to Book Dreams. Okay, scare me (laughs) with this scary book. You want to be scared, eh? I want, well, uh, first I want to learn, and then I want to be a little scared. Mm -hmm. And then I want to know that none of the scary things in the book were actually real, so I don't have to be scared when I go to bed. Okay, well, that that last one, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave just a little mystery. Oh, crap. (laughs) Yeah, just just another another sleepless night for me. (laughs) 
Just another sleepless night for Craig. Spooktober's very hard on Craig. You guys don't get to see him this month the way I'm that I do. up over here. <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about Mexican Mexican Gothic. So our, our novel opens uh, with a, a young woman in, in Mexico City. The year is 1950. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Noemi or Noemi. Uh, I saw both pronunciations. A lot of people in the YouTube comment section for the pronunciation video are, are arguing about the how the the video got it wrong, and there are a lot of different uh, pronunciations. But Noemi, I think, is fine for our purposes. Okay. Um, she is a a socialite she's in her early 20s she's in mexico city she's you know going out on the town she's kind of casually seeing a guy but she's not very serious about him um and she has you know she has academic ambitions she has changed majors a lot but she is looking to uh pursue the field of anthropology i think she wants to go and get like a master's degree and this being 1950 and her being a woman like her dad has just kind of been against this in general on principle because it's like not appropriate for her to be doing this. Okay. Um, but the deal is she gets called into her father's like drawing room or whatever. Like he, he's a, a low level mogul of sorts. I think he's in the, like the dye and the paint making racket. He's low level mogul says a lot. He's like a successful businessman and he has some like power and money and influence, but he's not. Yeah. No, he's not. He doesn't have like gold mines. He you, just makes like good dyes. And yeah, you hit the nail stuff. on the head. You told me everything I need to know about him. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Uh, so he calls her in and he says, okay, your cousin Catalina, who we raised for a while after her parents like passed away. Uh, she, you remember how like a year ago she married this, this English guy named Virgil and then she moved away into the countryside and we haven't really heard anything from her since. Well, we got this letter from her that's like pretty unhinged and talking about how she's kind of like trapped and she needs help. And if you will go and check this out and figure it out for me, because I don't want any, you know, I don't want bad press for the family. Oh no. Worried about Catalina. Like, you know, if, if you can go and resolve this, Quietly, I will let you go to school, and I won't give you any crap about it. <laughs> what a wild deal from old Pop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's uh, your so opening she, quest, and, Noemi. So, yeah, Noemi is, is like, okay, I'll do it. And she goes. And so she takes a a train ride out to the countryside. It is this old uh, silver mining town okay. where the mine has has long since closed, and there are, you know, there are little bits and pieces of the town still hold, holding on, but it's very like shabby and, and run down. And, and from the jump, like from the car that comes to pick her up from the train station, she is talking about this sense of like faded glory or, or, or like faded um, opulence. Like th- okay. this, it's a nice car, but it's also 20 years old. Like it would have yeah. been really nice at the time, but it's not nice anymore. And that's, that's the whole vibe with the entire village and with this mansion where she's going, uh, this mansion called high place. Okay. Which is a good name. It's way up high <laughs> and it's a place. That's good. And it's like very straightforward and like, it's it sounds like someone named it thinking it sounded cool but actually mm-hmm. it's really perfunctory. All right. 
And I imagine this is some spooky castle. Or, well, it's like not a castle, but... It's like a big haunted mansion-y kind of thing. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Like the old card that depicts Noemi up, the town clung to the dregs of splendor. That's a good... Mm. That's a good quote. Yeah, this is what... Hearing about this reminded me a lot of uh, Rebecca, like the Daphne du Maurier, like uh, I went back to Manderley again or whatever. Like go this big... I'm going into someone's big house and there's something going on there. There is an element of that. Like there's definitely some yellow wallpaper because people are like literally looking at stuff in the wallpaper and it's like moving and and they don't know what's real and what is. That's some Hill House (laughs) stuff too. Okay, sure. Uh, But so she she has gone to this house. She is she is picked up by um, by this guy whose name is Francis. (laughs) <laughs> um francis is kind of he's a little bit older than and than her but he's like a very sad and and sensitive sort of boy in contrast to victor who is uh catalina's husband who is sort of this imperious englishman who's like clinging to the there it's a doyle family the doyle is doyle is the name okay okay uh clinging to the faded glory of the doyles you know they used to be somebody they used to have this silver mine i still got you know i've still got this land and this big spooky cemetery out behind my house <laughs> and i just all i all i want is what i have coming to me all i want is my fair all share. all i want is my fair share yes yeah um and so, yeah, Catalina is sick. The house is creepy. Uh, there's a woman, uh, Francis's <laughs> mom, whose name is Florence, there, who's a very strict task mistress. There are some servants who barely seem to talk or acknowledge anybody's existence. And then the old patriarch of the house, Howard Doyle, who is uh, Howard for H.P. Lovecraft and Doyle for Arthur Conan Doyle, ah. combining the book's preoccupations with eugenics and with like the supernatural. Yeah, I dig it. Okay. <laughs> because Arthur Conan Doyle uh, thought fairies were real, as we've talked about in other podcasts. Oh, he did, huh? Yeah, remember? Yeah, talk- you're right. Yeah, I'm always surprised to relearn that because it's like, really? <laughs> The Sherlock Holmes guy? I, I think the part of my brain where that information goes, get, it gets shoved behind the whole uh, Houdini uh, dealing with psychics thing. Mm-hmm. Where like I think he was like a big psychic debunker, but also maybe he was into it. I don't really remember the specifics. And the Doyle fairy thing gets lodged right behind that. And I forget. Well, there are also only so many like under the radar facts about it. Like you, you yeah. know, you first you think about how Sherlock Holmes is on cocaine all the time. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And then and then after that, you get to oh, Sir Sir Arthur Conan Doyle thought the fairies were real. The only um, <laughs> so the people you've all like mentioned uh, from the Slate review of the book, it does it does kind of the same list like character list that you did with like. Mm-hmm. Um, a pair of men, one darkly dangerous and alluring, the other more decent but less exciting, which is a fun way to put it. The servants, mm, same, the patriarch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, people listen to this show. They get it. Um, the Did you mention a an unsympathetic middle-aged woman who runs the place? Yeah, like, that's con- Florence. That's Florence. Okay, okay. Yes. Um, that, yeah, those all those all check. Those are all on the list of when you're going through your spooky novel house and you're like, do we have one of these? Do we have one of these? Do we have some of this stuff here? 
Yeah. I, I ordered and, the I ordered the full spooky house, please. And Howard is kind of a in particular. You only see him a couple times in the first like half or so of the book, and he is he's in poor health and he is talking to her about her dark skin and about eugenics and about the inferior races and you know mixing stuff and so that's a fun that's a fun conversation and for I everybody. Bet it, I bet it doesn't land in like a like a the way it does in those early aughts comedies where there's always just like a funny racist grandma like it's there's, not yeah that. a racist old person that you have in there just so you can make the racist jokes but then yeah. be like oh no it's the character that's racist it's yeah. not the person who's <laughs> writing the jokes for the character i imagine this is a little more cutting than that trope a little bit but but like no me she she is uh she is educated she knows what's up and she like snaps right back with some some stuff that she's read about how you know really if you if you really want uh, if if we are breeding for the best possible humans, like if that's the topic that we want to pick up. On, oh, interesting. Yeah. And really wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you want, you know, diff- different aspects from, from different people's genetic backgrounds and wouldn't that make a, a you know, a, a better. Well, cause you, than, yeah. yeah. Cause you said she's like interested in anthropology and stuff like, so like it makes sense that she would be armed for that discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. and he's like, "Oh, you, you firecracker," and you know, he seems oh, cool. suitably impressed, but like, still pretty racist. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you know, Catalina's got one of those illnesses that back in the day you would just be like, "Yeah, just sit in your bed and rest forever oh, and ever until God. we invent antibiotics." Oh my God. Like she, she's got one of those illnesses where nobody's quite sure what it is, and I mean, it is the fifties, but yeah. still, it's got the yeah. trappings of the nineteenth-century novel where she's just locked away. Yeah. Okay. And you know, Florence is is very controlling about like when she can be visited. Um, Every time Noemi goes down to the town to try and... So they have like a special family doctor who comes up and treats everybody. But something seems up with that guy. And Noemi wants a second opinion. And so she goes to the the town doctor and gets him to come up. And and he's like... Yeah, I don't don't think she has um, tuberculosis or whatever whatever disease is being... um, Is the front for whatever is wrong with her. Okay. Um, but you know, we, we, you should get her to, to a psychiatrist. There's not one around here and, but she's married to Virgil and he kind of has last final say over what she can, can do and where she can go. Um, and yeah, Catalina, like, even though she, she wrote this letter, like she is, she seems really tired. She, uh, Nomi can't see her very often, but she also is not like saying the same kind of stuff that she said in the letter, like the stuff that got Naomi's dad worried and, and got Naomi up there in the first place. Are people wondering if the letter was real? No, I think people, I think people know the letter is real. I think okay. some, something about like the handwriting or something like it, it, it's, it's hers. It's not. Okay. Okay. People are wondering whether she was in her right mind when she wrote the letter. Sure. Okay. But not like whether the letter itself is, is like was genuinely okay. from okay. her. And so, you know, through talking to Francis, the nice boy, the nice Doyle, uh-huh. and, um, and talking to like the two people who you meet, who live in this town. Sure. <laughs> One being the town doctor and another being like a town, like apothecary. Somebody's got to sell stuff. Yeah, who just like makes cool tinctures and 
What is a tincture? old stories about stuff. What's a tincture? And it, I just imagine it as, as being like a, a mixture of like... Is it liquid? Juices in like a little glass. Is it liquid? Yeah, I think it's a liquid. Okay, yeah, you're gonna. gonna va- I'm gonna vamp. Tinct- you're gonna look up sure. tincture. What is it? Uh, a medicine made by dissolving a drug in alcohol or a slight trace of something. Okay, so you do make it. You make it soluble, like potable. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Okay. It's not. A, I dust. think this is a conversational day. <laughs> sure. She, so she is. Th- this this woman in the village has made uh, Catalina some sort of uh, medicine that has worked to help her sleep or something before, and she has asked Noemi to go to the village and get her some more of it. Okay. And so talking to these various people, uh, Noemi pieces together some parts of High Place's tragic past, where it, you know it used to be a mine, but a lot of the workers who are of course treated very badly because they are like native people being yep. bossed around by you know english robber barons uh-huh um they you know they they took ill a lot of people died the family used to be larger but then one day um i think it was howard's daughter virgil's sister was supposed to be married to somebody and on her wedding day, she picked up a gun and like shot Howard and shot and killed a bunch of people in the family and then turned the gun on herself. And so like that's that is the like creepy, dark past secret of the get, family. You're like, oh, man, no wonder this house kind of has haunted vibes like some bad stuff has happened here. Can I ask stylistically, how is that information delivered in the book? Does someone tell a creepy story? Yeah, it's a creepy story. OK, cool, cool, cool. It's um, like, hey, give me. I'm gonna make this medicine for you. If you give me some of your cigarettes, I'll uh, tell you some stories about this house. Pull up a chair. Let's get it. Like it's the midnight society. Let's go, kind of stuff. A little bit. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's, I'm just always interested to know. Like, is that just like, and then ba ba ba, this happened, or is it? Are we taken there a little bit and given mm-hmm. the atmosphere of that memory? Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Catalina takes this, this drug and she has this violent seizure and everybody in the family gets really mad at, at me for bringing Catalina this, what they, what they claim is an opium drug, even though the, the town doctor asks later is like, there's no opium around here. And she is the, the woman who you got this from is, is pretty on the level. Like she just, she makes good stuff. <laughs> okay. And it, it can't, it can't have been opium. Okay. It's very unlikely that it was opium. Sure, sure. And so throughout all of this, you get a bunch of stuff with like with Naomi, like clashing with different people in the house. Like a lot of it is Florence. Some of it is uh, Victor, who or Virgil. Have I been calling him Victor? This you might have time? called him Victor a few times, but his name's I, definitely th- Virgil. His name's definitely Virgil. And I was going to ask, like, what is their relationship over the course of the book? Yeah, so Virgil is is Catalina's husband and but but is also doing a lot of suspect sort of flirting with Naomi while ah. she's here. And one minute he seems like he could be an ally and he just wants the best for Catalina and the next moment he's just being really gross. Great. And, and she like she you generally does not like him but sometimes is like responding to the vibe that he's 
putting off and a lot of the time whether she is is actually dreaming or it's caused by something else what we'll talk about here in a little bit when we get into like the more concrete reasons why stuff in the house is happening the way it is oh, okay like there, there are a lot of sequences where she feels like she's having some kind of a dream or a nightmare where she's not fully in control of her own body but things like the dreams seem very real she catches herself sleepwalking in ways that she hasn't done since she was like a little child mm. and it's it does seem vaguely like you know if something in this house has made catalina ill or has made or 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 has caused some kind of mental break for her maybe these same conditions are affecting nomi in some way oh no um, is it is there is it implied that it might be affecting other people or we don't have we're not privy to that information i mean the whole house just has a creepy vibe <laughs> sure okay and it's not it is not clear in the first part of the book whether it is just an aggressively creepy house or whether there actually is something else going on here and okay. so we don't you know to the i guess i'd say sure it seems like it's affecting the rest of the people in the house but only cuz the rest of the people in the house seem like baseline pretty creepy anyway yeah well because we're not getting it's like, not like they're it's not like they're all wasting away and ill or whatever but they are all creepos and we're not we're not getting POV chapters from racist patriarch. No, no, no. Like, it's one hundred percent. It's all Naomi. Yeah, so that that helps the the and this is like I think a very I remember this from Turn of the Screw especially like that locked in perspective is critical to making the uncertainty of why things are creepy work. Yeah, no, you definitely need to. You can't have a creepy chapter and then flash over to a chapter from like the puppet master's point of view that <laughs> well, logically explains everything like you, you could do that but it would be different book. structuring yeah yeah and well and this means that like whenever they're treating her in a specific way it's you don't know why they're doing it you just know that they're doing it for a reason that is also affecting the overall creep Factor well, and you and book. you also have from from her own perspective, she's like, I don't, she's I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel about Virgil. Like, am I am I overreacting to this? Am I am I being gaslit? She doesn't actually use gaslighting. Oh, sure. Would, would that have been a term? It might have been fifty. Probably. Can I, I tell I you think that story's older than that? Can I tell you a term that uh, 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 Moreno Garcia used for yes. Virgil? Yes. Um, in an interview, she called him a. In talking about him as a Byronic hero, like Lord Byron, she used this phrase that I did not know about Lord Byron that people use enough, mad, bad, and dangerous to know. <laughs> okay. Which is a like, that is an idiom about Lord Byron <laughs> that has been bouncing around for a while now. I found that interesting. You know, um, I learned about the phrase mad as a hatter from this book because so Noemi is what? talking to... to not um, Alice in Wonderland? Well, I, so about the, like the... Oh, you learned about the reason why in this book. Yeah, so okay. it's, um, Naomi is talking to uh, Francis about, you know, something's weird about this house, but the, there are often, like, reasonable, rational, like, scientific explanations for what's going on. Like, you know the phrase, mad as a hatter. Well, it's because hatters would work with like these chemical, like they would work with mercury all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and it would, you know, it would have effects on their on their brain, and so that's why hatters went mad all the time. 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we could be, a lot of people could be in this room and like huffing paint fumes or whatever. And, and that could be the reason why everybody thinks the house is haunted and it's actually the paint job. And Francis at this point, clear clearly Naomi has hit some kind of nerve and Francis is like, listen, you got to get it. If you want, if you want to be free of this place, you need to just go. Oh, Naomi is, has had this thought, but doesn't want to, because like she, because she wants to protect, protect her cousin. Like she doesn't want to abandon her cousin. She doesn't want to go back home, like empty handed to her dad. Of and course not get, you know what they agreed on. And like part of her, which she usually a part of her that she usually interacts with when she's kind of under Virgil's spell, whatever whatever it is. Part of her is like, yeah, as a socialite in Mexico City, I was a little bored, and I do want to be like, huh, challenged, challenged, or like pushed around a, a, a little bit. And so maybe part of me does want to stay here, like for me, and not just for other people, huh. That's an interesting, um, just, like, self-aware take for why yeah. you might stay in a spooky house. <laughs> and and so we've we've learned about a lot about the Doyle family at this point. We've we learned, for example, that Howard was married to, um, to two sisters. Like first, the older sister, um, Agnes, I, I believe is her name, and then to the her younger sister who's it's also an a name it might be alicia or alice okay um and i apologize for not knowing it but she's like you don't meet the character and it's it's not vitally important that you know her like agnes is the big one who will sure who we'll talk about but there's a lot of you know there's some light uh intermarrying in this in this family Neat. uh there and like uh, Nomi notices in old photographs and stuff that there is a certain Doyle look. You know, there's a, there's a way that they that, that their faces just like are in the like the forehead and the and the chin and whatever. And and it is explained away in the earlier part of the book as just being like you know this this guy Howard loves eugenics and so yeah of course he would want to keep his bloodline pure much as you know, old Royal dynasties would do it just by sure. everybody getting intermarried all over the place. Okay. Um, whew, man, I, okay. So I'm, I keep wondering when to get into like the supernatural parts. And I think it's probably now. Okay. Do you want to know, do you want to know the mysterious mystery at the heart of Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia? We, 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 spoiler train coming to the station. We, we, we. So how creepy do you think that like mold and mushrooms and spores and stuff are like pretty creepy? <laughs> like baseline? What, how creeped out are you by that? Okay, let me think through this. Mm-hmm. I don't like mold in my house. Yeah, think but, think about it in the in the context of like I, but, I think the homeowner. Yeah, angle here's why. is a good one to approach it from because because like my first reaction is like I love to eat a mushroom, eat a mushroom all the time. Think it's great. Think they're yeah, delicious. Mama Mia. 
cook them eat up. it. You you grow twice as big as you were before. Yeah, it's great. I don't know why Popeye until was messing a turtle around touches with... you and then you shrink again. Why <laughs> was Popeye messing around with spinach? He could have been eating mushrooms. He got even bigger. Bluto wouldn't have had anything to do anyway. He could eat flowers and throw and, and like. Can you imagine Pluto Popeye a throwing a fireball? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, love to eat a mushroom. Mold in my house is kind of spooky because, like, I don't understand the science of why it's there. I know, I know that it's moisture and water, like facilitates moisture plus it. spores. But like, how the spores get there? Like I get that I need, air, Craig. They're I need all around us. I need to run a dehumidifier in my basement so I don't get the spores. But why the spores in the first place? And how is the water and the air causing the spores? I'm spooking myself right now, Andrew. So yeah, it's mostly just like, oh, this is expensive to get rid of, and I don't want it in my house. Yeah. And so if you if you're working that into a gothic novel, I think you. Focus. So you, you know, you th- this house is all about like faded glory and like past opulence and and decay and and rot. And I think the the mold early in the story is mostly a. It is it is used to sort of drive that home. It's like this this place is kind of falling apart. It's in disrepair. There is all this mold all over the books, all over the walls, all over everything. And it, so it turns out that Howard Doyle is a like a godlike mastermind who is several hundred years old. What? And he discovered when he came to Mexico to get the silver out of the mines. Uh-huh. Um, he discovered some mushrooms that people have been using to sort of prolong their lives. Uh-huh. And there was a property about these mushrooms because, you know, mushrooms, they sprout up out of the ground, but then you go underground and there's this like vast network of mycelium that's like all over. Do you know this about mushrooms? Yeah, they can like some of them are like it's one big organism, right? Yeah, it's Sometimes. just this huge, huge interconnected I've network of stuff. I've seen the Super that... Mario Brothers movie. I know what giant mushroom civilizations look like, okay? Okay, this is, all right, that's not quite, this no, is not quite what I'm talking about. It is sure. what you're talking about. I've seen the goop in that movie. It's what we're talking about here. Jeez, that's okay. <laughs> um, not the new one with Chris Pratt, the old, the good one. The anyway, new one, Chris Pratt's not out yet, and continue. we will reserve judgment on Chris Pratt as a like a sarcastic Mario. I it's, can't decide if I want him to have to do that the accent or not. I can't tell if it's better to have Chris voice. Pratt being like, "Oh, it's a me, Chris Pratt," or if he should just talk in his regular voice. It's a me from Parks and Rec. It's an it's a me from Jurassic World, Chris Pratt. It's, it's a, a me, me Star the Guardian Wars. of the Galaxy. Yeah. The Guardian of Mario Galaxy. Anyway, continue. What were we talking about? He's an old man who had the mysterious life force mushrooms. Yeah, he's, okay, so so we met. He he found this cool mushroom. He like he he discovered the people were using it to extend their lives. He discovered that there's not really a, a good like regimented way that this is happening, but it can sort of store memories and be used to like prolong yes. someone's life yes. in that way because what is somebody's life except you know memories. their collection of yes. memories and stuff yes. um 
And he, with his cool, like big white person brain, decides <laughs> to science all the mushrooms and just like figure them out. And so he uses he uses them to prolong his lifespan for many, many, many years. And he also has built this big like That's why network of, of mushrooms and, and mycelium and stuff that goes that stretches all the way under the property that just like stores a bunch of like different memories of the family members. And so a lot of the, the dreams and the hallucinations and stuff that, that Noemi and we assume also Catalina have been having are like these stored mushroom memories that they are seeing. Because when you're in this house, you're just like breathing in these spores all the time and they start to have this effect on you. And the like Howard and the Doyle family can use their influence as like kings of the mushrooms to control people and like yeah and so like you know remember earlier when i mentioned these servants who like don't really talk or anything they're basically just mushroom bodies like their minds have been like scooped out by mushrooms and they're just controlled almost exclusively by the will of the of these doyle people i dig it and so we we learn. How do we that, learn this? Yeah, we we learn this. Oh wait, what do you? The, you how do we learn? Like, how is this? Is this a villain monologue? Is this a? It's so okay. So Nomi is like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna <laughs> go. Tomorrow it's 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 raining right now. The roads are bad. I can't get out. But tomorrow I'm gonna go. And this so uh, this is one of the many like horror tropey things that this book does that I actually really like. Is like when Nomi is like, I can't. I can't sleep. I need to go think about things in the bath. I'm going to go take a bath. It's like, girl, don't take a bath. All the creepiest (laughs) stuff in the horror movie happens when the heroine goes and takes a bath by herself. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay, great. Have you never, you, you are so educated, but you've never read a book where, (laughs) where, uh, so she is, she's going to go and the entire family's like, okay, cool. Uh, we'll see you off. So let's have, we're going to have a dinner and it's going to be fine. And we're going to, you know, Howard has not been feeling well. He's, he's, he's got, he's old and he's got these ailments and whatever. And we're going to take you up to him and you're just going to say goodbye. And then we're going to drive you off and it's going to be fine. And so they go up to Howard's room and he's like a creepy, he's got like, this is some of the most like horrific sort of stuff in the book is just like Howard is like got this like black bile dripping out of his mouth and he's got these like one of his legs is all like covered all over with one of these growths because he's like a a mushroom man yeah he's he's all he's integrated with these mushrooms barnacle boy his body he's getting his body ready to like transmit his consciousness into one of his family members to yes. continue because the mush like, the mushrooms can extend your life but they cannot make you immortal yes and when like and Howard never healed when Ruth his shot. daughter shot him yes with shotgun and so he's just been kind of been like healing convalescing for for like three decades trying to get his body back up to a point where he can then like transfer his consciousness into like Virgil and continue to live forever and so he, it's a very intensely creepy scene where she is like against her will like getting this like black mushroom spit like spit no. into her mouth by Howard and then they're like she and 
and she is hallucinating. She's having all these, I don't even know if it's hallucinating. She's just like tapped into this mushroom network and she's, <laughs> she's seen all on. the mushroom memories and like learning new depths of, of what this fan. And so this is like, this is the reveal, right? Is, okay, is sure. Like Catalina, the family mushroom has pilled. been the, yeah, she's been mush, she's been mush pilled. And the the family has been, you know, they've been uh, inbreeding for generations to the point where they can't really have kids anymore. And so we need to bring some fresh huh. blood into the family tree that is compatible with the mushroom spores. And it's not <laughs> the, the one thing that's not really explained is like what about Catalina and Nomi? What about their family makes them like compatible with the mushroom, okay. you know, the mushroom people? Uh-huh. <laughs> but they are they are compatible okay and so we're gonna br- we're gonna bring the, the these you know reluctantly because we do think that white people are the best and that we're gonna you know and we're gonna dilute the bloodline but it's just it's what is is what's necessary to keep us living forever is just to bring these new people in so we can keep <sighs> having kids with them yeah and keep having new mushroom bodies for <laughs> the mushroom network to <laughs> subsume oh my God. And so and, and so Nomi and Catalina and and Francis who is who is into Nomi and is trying to sort of like buck his family because his dad was from outside of the family and like married into it and tried to escape and like died because once the mushrooms like have their hooks in you, you can't you can't get out. It's hard you it's hard to get out. Um and uh-huh. so he, you know, he he is simp- because his dad was from outside of the family and died. Like he's sympathetic to this, this, to this need to get out, and and is more inclined to think that the stuff that the rest of his family is doing is monstrous. So he's kind of an ally, like a real ally, not a fake ally like Virgil. And uh, so he he and Nomi and Catalina are all going to try and get out. And it's revealed that that, op- that quote opium mixture yep. from before is actually sort of an antifungal sort of thing where Heck you can yeah. drink it yes. and like and free yourself from the influence of all the spores and the mushrooms and free stuff. Free your mind, and the rest will follow. Yeah. So Nomi is is taking some of this stuff, and Catalina's taking a little bit of it, and they're just they're just gonna try and get out. They're gonna try and get out. And. Maybe this is the part of the book that I don't spoil explicitly, but it's just like there's a big, there's a bunch of, con- I don't know, like you've read books where. <laughs> I've read the, books. You've read books. Like you've, you've encountered horror stories where the person like learns yeah. the, the actual horrible truth just after they're in deep enough that escaping is going to be difficult and then way more difficult than it ever would have been like yep Uh uh-huh uh-huh so that's that's the rest of the book is is nomi and and francis and 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 catalina mostly driven by nomi like trying to get out of this house and get away from this family and maybe just maybe ending this cycle so these horrible mushroom monsters cannot Cause like the, 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 the spores and the mushrooms and everything, like they, they were responsible for all the miners and stuff dying. Like all these miners oh. who got sick and couldn't be healed. Like the, the crappy doctor who's been coming in from, from town. Like he is a secret Doyle who is in cahoots with them all the whole time. And like 
trying to facilitate this like body transfer and bringing this fresh you know, blood in to spruce up the family you tree. You know what I like about this? What, what do you like about it? You like all the mushroom stuff, obviously. I have... Uh, people listening at home, if you couldn't hear... You can't the, see Craig doing like Arsenio Hall <laughs> fist pumping over there about you, how cool he thinks all the mushroom if stuff If you can't is. hear the sonic booms of air collapsing behind my fist as I wave it through the air every time Andrew <laughs> tells me a new thing about the mushrooms. Okay, so it's interesting because I was reading some of the interviews about this book. None of them spoiled why... People kept asking her about mushrooms, but people did keep asking her about mushrooms. I was not prepared for how mushrooms factored into this book. Oh, yeah. Mushrooms factor in a big way. Big old big way. way. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I don't actually have to spoil like the 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 final run yeah. and the, the final confrontation and whether anybody gets out and under what conditions. That that part I will not spoil because it's, it's fun. It's It yeah. is... Sure. I think the book has a satisfying ending. There are a couple of question marks, but I think you can imagine some sort of happy ending if you want. If you want, sure. If you want, that and seems that, important. And that's to what her, I'll yeah. say. But like, I guess, I guess that's it. Is like this book is fun. This was a fun book to read. It doesn't take very long. Um, if you are looking for a the most like grabby spooky read that i think we've done like i enjoyed the invisible man a lot but this is a more modern yeah sure thing and it it plays with genre and with your expectations of genre more effectively for having you know a a longer tradition of stuff to to draw upon but anyway so you love the mushroom stuff what else what else do you like well here's what i here's what i love about the mushroom stuff okay Mm -hmm. is that it's it's a very it goes back to what we were talking about before the break it's this interesting inversion of what was going on in a lot of the Lovecraft stuff where he's using cosmic horror. He's using like these, you know, mysterious, creepy creatures to like process his own anti-Semitism and bigotry <laughs> and all of his, you know, cosmic horror being like for a lot of those authors, this like fear of not being the most powerful thing in the universe as a white yeah, man, right? And here she has made the diseased magic creature like w- this man's white supremacy is <laughs> is the monster in a way that is like really inventive yeah, because yeah, I man. haven't, you know, I found an interview where she said she published an anthology of like spooky fungus stories, but I've never heard of that before. I was not prepared for that. Um, but then there was also she likens, ha 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 ha. She, whoa, that was whoa. not planned. Okay, all right. She, she uh, goes on a riff about uh, cults in um, in a Vox interview where she talks about uh, when. A lot of people, when you see them talk about getting out, like talking about their experience with a cult, the first thing they want to talk about is like when they realized that they needed to leave and like mm-hmm. what that wake up moment was. Yeah. She likens mm-hmm. that to Francis' experience here and then says, I also think that white supremacy is like a horrible, dangerous cult and like an infection. And it doesn't just harm, it harms people of color definitely. Um, I think it also harms the white people within. It's a dangerous kind of place. I think white supremacy, if you get into it, you really start losing touch with the reality. And it's like you're the member of a suicide cult to me. And it's like this, like, I don't know, that with the metaphor of this, like, mushroom creature that you just become part of, that all feels right to me. 
Yeah. So that's that's why as I'm like punt punching the air about how cool the mushroom mechanics are, I'm also excited about this inversion. This like you know, it's still a creepy monster story, but it's also smartly weaving in other stuff that is that is yeah. both in the genre and outside of the genre. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like. There are, even though you can see some bits of it coming, like some of the stuff in the final confrontation is just really like imaginative and, and iconic and horrifying in a way that actually makes me really excited to potentially see a, a, uh, mini series about it because I, I think you could do a really effective, really creepy like visualization of some of the stuff that like Moreno Garcia's like her imagery in a lot of the dream sequences. And then in the final confrontation sequence is just extremely evocative because of how Mm. I don't, because of just how it's intertwining like humans with like mushrooms and plants and like how, I don't know, just like any any visualization of a human body with like stuff sprouting out of it is like instantly very vivid in my brain and and very gross and very effective. Yeah, <laughs> the book the book plays with that pretty well. I think there's some one of her quotes where she's talking about the mushrooms is she just any time when another organism can literally take control of another organism is freaky. Like yeah, function like literally take control of something. There was a there, and this will be how I close out. I think there's, okay. there's a rabbit hole that this book sent me on uh-huh. because we just had cicada, we just had the brood X. Oh yeah, in, here in the American Northeast, like within the last year ish, and um, talking about the specific cicada fungus, which does like so when the larva is burrowing its way out of the earth. It burrows its way through this fungus, which grows inside it until it becomes an adult. And then it makes the cicadas like genitalia fall off. And it's just got this like fuzzy fungusy stump on the end. And it makes the cicada go up and just like start making horny cicada sounds to attract mates. And it's the spore that spreads itself by infecting cicadas and then making them super, super horny and just making them spread, spread it to the other as horny many cicadas. cicadas as they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it what? like gets grosser from there. <laughs> if you can believe it. Life finds but, a way. Uh, yeah. It's just like these, any of the, the, and there are a lot of different little like funguses or parasites or whatever that like, can infect an ant or like can, can take control of like different organisms and make them do weird like zombie stuff. And that is, that is up there on my list of creepy creep out things. Do yeah. I like it. Sounds like anyway, I read a really lot about got that. into your brain. <laughs> if you just want to look up like cicada fungus or cicada spores or something after this, it'll be a fun, fun yeah. bedtime reading. Turn safe search on and search cicada spore sex. Mm-hmm. Make sure safe search is on, please. Anyway, Andrew, thanks for telling me about this book. Mexican Gothic. It is what it says on the cover, sounds like. Yep. It's a good cover, too. It's a great cover. Yeah. Um, If folks want to email us their favorite mushroom recipes, (laughs) 
Send them. Yeah, get those get those mushrooms back by cooking them and eating them. <laughs> Gotta fight back. Send. They want to make you part of them. Why don't you make them part of you? <laughs> OverduePod at gmail.com is the email address. Hit us up on social media, Facebook and Twitter.com slash OverduePod. Thanks to Caroline, Cheryl, Maria, Josh, Anna, Katrin, Megan, Alex, Shannon, Patrick, and Mario this week for reaching out. Not sure which hey, Mario. Chris, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt as Mario. Thanks for listening, bud. Uh, our theme song was composed by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there, we have links to the books that we have read and are going to read. If you click those and you buy the books, you support us, you support your local bookstore, and you support your eyes and brain by giving them a fun thing to read. Uh, next week, Craig, for the last official week of Spooktober, what is it that you are going to be reading? I believe it's Her Body and Other Parties. Mm, other Parties. I knew like, it wasn't an Other Stories, and I couldn't remember yeah. what the noun was. And Other by, Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. That's correct. And then uh, we are going to be doing a bonus episode on the Haunted Ohio series by Chris Woodyard. If you want to sit in on that and other bonus episode recordings, patreon.com slash pod is our Patreon website. You can recommend books. You can uh, get uh, episodes of our long read podcasts early. That uh, Right now, that's still Don Quixote yep. and our Jagged Little Mill series. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's ironic. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it. Right? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for uh, being a real fun guy. Thanks. I'm... Uh, I... Th- I have a busy life but i would make mushroom in my schedule to keep hanging out with you <laughs> i'm liking what you're putting down <laughs> thank you thank you thank you uh okay that's it everybody until we talk to you next week try to be happy That was a HeadGum Podcast.